0: This is working? Great. Uh good to be here. Um it's been a while again. Uh forgive me if I don't remember all your names. Uh, but that's just the way I am. Uh good short term memory, bad long term memory. Uh to the glory of God. Uh we are going to be this is working here. Oh, is that there? Okay, super. Uh, just talking about the Golden Challenge, the uh, title of my message, it's uh, based on the golden rule, that's where it comes from, and uh, let's just pray before we start. Mm-hmm. Father, we uh, are just thankful for Christ in us. Thank you for grace, thank you for forgiveness, thank you for life. Thank You for the hope of the new heavens and the new earth and eternity spent with You. And God, I just pray for this time together as we look at Your Word that You would uh, draw us to You. You would help us to leave here loving You more. And so, I just pray You'd watch over this time. God, watch over uh, my words. I'm a sinner and can mess things up uh, without Your help. so, God, we ask for your help upon me and upon us together as we look to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the golden rule goes like uh, this. So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do you also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Uh, some translations will shape this a little bit differently, uh, but... Generally, uh, uh, it's known as the Golden Rule. And if you want to know uh, why it's called the Golden Rule, well, it's this guy's fault. Uh, Emperor Alexander Severus. It's kind of a cool name. I thought it would be a good name for a pastor. Pastor Severus, maybe. Uh, uh, He, uh, 26th Emperor Emperor of Rome, 3rd century. Uh, He wasn't even a Christian, uh, but he so liked this uh, saying that he had it inscribed in gold in his chambers, and thus it's called... Uh, the Golden Rule, and you will find uh, that a lot of people who don't even like Jesus, who think Christianity is kind of silly, uh, like the Golden Rule. Because it's kind of nice, and it's kind of comfy, and should hopefully make society better. But uh, we're going to realize today that it's more than just a nice, comfy saying. It, it's a real challenge. And it's a challenge that is so deep and grand that we cannot hope to do this without the Gospel and so, uh, we will get there. Uh, and so, he says this, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. And uh, he says this, for this is the law and the prophets. That is, this, this one saying is the law and the prophets. And what's the law and the prophets? It's just a, another way of saying the Old Testament. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, uh, if someone asked me to sum up the entire Old Testament in one phrase, uh, I wouldn't dare do it. Uh, the, our Old Testament is like two thirds of our Bible. There are 600,000 words in the Old Testament, only 180 in the New Testament. And to sum up 600,000 words in one saying, I wouldn't do it, but Jesus does. And He says, if you want to know what the entire Old Testament is about, do you, do you want to know how to sum it up in one saying? This is is the law and the prophets, And he says, it's this. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. That's it. Uh, this is so clear that even before Jesus, uh, there was one of the most famous rabbis of the day, Rabbi Hillel, who also understood this. He kind of put it in the negative. Uh, one time there was a, a Gentile that came up to him and said, sum up the entire Old Testament in the time that I can stand on one foot, that's what he said. He challenged this rabbi to do that, and this is what he said. What is hateful to you, do not do to anyone else. This is the whole law. All the rest is commentary. Go and learn it. And so there was just this understanding of the day that some the entire Old Testament was, was found in the idea that uh, you love the way you want to be loved. Whatever you wish that someone would do to you, you do to them. Uh, Paul also uh, says the same thing. He says, "Oh, no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. There is, has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word or this phrase, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians also says the same thing, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, the entire law, the entire Old Testament is summed up in this one phrase. Now, there's a question we're asking. You should be asking this, right? What about God? I mean, isn't he there somewhere in those 600,000 words? Is it just about loving people? How could you say you can sum up the entire Old Testament without even mentioning God? That's a good question. Uh, well, we know Jesus, another time, was asked this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Singular, what is the greatest commandment? What's one? In the law, and he said to them, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, And with all your soul, and with all your mind, this is the great and first commandment. And the second, so he he says two here, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So we say, well, what is it, Jesus? Is it one or is it two? Do you sum up the entire Old Testament with you love God and you love people? Or do you sum up the entire Old Testament by saying you love people? Well, the answer may be that the answer is yes on both sides. You can say, I'll sum up the entire Old Testament by saying you love God and love people, or I could say, I'll sum up the entire Old Testament by saying you love people. Because to love people the way God wants you to love requires God. To love God requires that you love people. These two are so intertwined and tangled together together, it is impossible to separate them. So you can say one without saying the other, or say the one without saying the other. And good old John says this exactly. He says, We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen, and he has given us this command, whoever loves God must, also love his brother. So if you say, I love God, and you don't like people, you don't love God. They are so intertwined and tangled together. On the other hand, John also says, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And so, to love people means, at least what we're going to talk about, in the way God wants you to love just requires God. And so Jesus can say the entire Old Testament is summed up by saying, whatever you wish that someone would do to you, you, you do it to them. And so let's look at that. And I like the first part. The first part is fun. What do you wish people would do for you? Right? We are gonna have a lot of fun with that. Uh, I mean, I could think of a typical day that maybe I wake up in the morning and the first thing I see is my wife coming in with a nice fresh cup of coffee and she says, good morning, my master. I am your slave, you know. Uh, What would you want for breakfast? And I'd say, bacon, pancakes. And she, absolutely. And she goes, makes bacon and pancake and brings it to me and I eat it. And she says, are you still hungry? I say, yes. And you know, well, what else would you like? More bacon? She says, well, I already have bacon for you. And I get bacon. Then I get up and maybe my kids come running out to me and they say, dad, we just want to do whatever for you today. Just give us lots of chores and we'll just, we'll have so much fun because you are so amazing. Dad, and, and so I give my kids all kind of chores and they're just like, oh, thank you. We love you. And they, they just go do chores all the day. And, and then maybe the doorbell rings and there's Bill Gates at the door saying, you know, I was up all night and, uh, you know, I had this $10 million I couldn't. Think think of what to do with it. And your name came to mind, so here's $10 million. And by the way, I'll leave my Porsche here as well. I mean, that'd be cool, right? And then I go back upstairs. A little while later, the doorbell rings again. And there at the door is someone I don't like. We all have those people, right? You love them, but you don't really like them. And there they are. And this person says, you know, I'm so sorry for just the way that we've gotten along and the way I've treated you. And, you know, is there anything I can do for you? Uh, and I say, yeah, you could wash my Porsche. And they're like, oh, that would be just, I'd love to do that for you, right? So they go wash the Porsche. And then through the whole day, I keep getting phone calls from people in my church saying, Jesse, you are the most amazing pastor. I just could not live my life without you. Uh, and then my friend maybe takes me skydiving and, you know, buys me burgers or whatever, right? I mean, we, we just spend a lot of time and a lot of fun thinking about and what I wish people would do for me. In fact, we know we think about that a lot because we're always thinking, you know, I wish that person would say this. I wish this person would say thanks. I wish this person would do this for me. Why aren't they talking to me? You know, I wish this person would just give you some money. I mean, we, we think about that all the time. But Jesus well, wait a second here. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, he doesn't say think on that and spend all your time and energy f- freaking out about people serving you. He says, no, 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 no. You You do that to them. Jesse, you be the one who takes your friends skydiving and buys them burgers. Jesse, you be the one who uh, phones other people and encourage, encourages and thanks them. Jesse, you be the one who goes to someone who you don't like or they don't like you and you serve them and you ask for forgiveness and you love them. Jesse, you be the one who serves your family. Jesse, you be the one who serves your wife breakfast in bed and gets her coffee. You be the one, Jesse, who gives money away. Right? what it's about. <laughs> Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. And that's the entire Old Testament. There it is. Now, we're also going to see that this is not only the summary of the Old Testament, but in many ways, it's the summary of the New Testament. We'll see this in a lot of places. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. 39. We already looked at this. says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, Jesus is just assuming that you love yourself. And as much as you think about yourself and love yourself, you are to love others. Now sometimes people will say, well, I don't really love myself so I don't have to love others. Uh, You love yourself. You do. I mean, if we knew for sure there was a bomb here and it was going to go off in 30 seconds, we would all run because we love ourselves. I mean, if I took a picture of everybody, we did like a huge church shot, and we posted it up on the wall, and you went up to look at that picture, who was the first person you'd look at? <laughs> be you, right? Make sure your hair was okay, and you know, like hair sticking up, or you were closing your eyes, or no one was going like this over your head, right? You'd look at you, because we love ourselves. Uh, we all want to be clothed, we all want to be fed. We all want to live in safety. We all want friends. We all want people to care for us. We want to be happy. Now, sometimes this self-love can get a little deranged, but in the end, even Pascal said this, All men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object, that is happiness. This is the motive of every action, of every man, even of those who hang themselves. In other words, you can get into a place of such misery and such just life is awful and terrible and mean and horrible that out of this desire to be happy that the only thing you can imagine and think of is is suicide. Not us twisted self-love, but Jesus here is assuming we love ourselves. And he's simply saying, as much time, energy, and effort as you put in to loving yourself, you love other people. As much as you want to be clothed, you clothe people. As much as you want to be financially secure, you help others be financially secure. As much as you want to be happy, you help others be happy. As much as you want to have food on your table tonight, you make sure there's food on other people's table. So whatever you wish that people would do for you, you do to them. You love people as much as you love yourself. And then, of course, we see Paul also saying something similar. He says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Again, assuming that we always look to our own interests, primarily. It's the first thing we think of when anything happens. When the day starts, we think of me. Paul says, Think of others as well. Now, to help us here, I brought a little teeter totter thing. If you can't read this, this is others. This is self. And primarily, we put ourselves above others. We put our interests above others. And here's kind of a series, maybe little examples of this. Let's give it a long, hard day. You're tired. You get home from work. You crash on the couch. And you're just like, oh, I so need a break. I hope no one talks to me. You're thinking of self-interest, your own interests. And then, your son or daughter comes up to you and says, can we play? Can we play? Paul says, let each of you not look only to his own interests. That is, I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm done. I don't want to talk to anybody. That's my interest. Paul says, consider the interests of others. What are their interests? They they haven't seen you all day. Uh, They love you. And they want to hang out with you. Maybe they've been working on stuff throughout the day and they want to show you, don't just consider your own interests. At least consider their interests. Or let's say you're driving to Nelson because I know I've driven this road enough to know that you run into slow drivers, right? And you're late. And you think of self. My interests are I'm not going to get there on time and I don't want to look bad because I'll look dis- disorganized and you know, maybe they're going to start freaking out and I just want to drive fast because it's fun. We think of our own interests, right? Paul says, don't just think of your own. At least consider theirs, right? Maybe, just maybe, they're like 85 years old and they're just driving like this and they're like, I hope it don't crash, I hope it don't crash, I hope it don't crash. I it don't crash. Maybe that's all their interests in their mind. Consider their interests. Maybe they're just like, you know, I can't pull over because, you know, consider their interests. Or, or let's say you've got all your bills paid for the month and you've got $50 let o- left over and we'll, we think of our own interests. Well, i got hobbies. i got things that I want to buy. i got plans for, for my stuff. So, we think of our... Paul says, well, how about considering others? Maybe consider those kids who are waiting to be Sponsored. Think of the interests of those who are dying in Africa without food. Uh, think of the interests of others. Don't just think of your own interests. Consider the interests of others. Uh, well, we'll do one more. Well, let's say you yeah, had a long, hard week, uh, a week of work and you get home and you're thrilled about the weekend. You know, that happens. Uh, and then your friend calls. Right, You've got your plans. You've got your own interests in doing this. And then your buddy calls and says, hey, can you help me move? Or, you know, I, got, I just can't figure this out in my car. Can you help me fix my car or do something on my house? Now, we don't like that, but Paul says, at least consider there and says, wouldn't you like someone to help you move? Wouldn't you like your friends to maybe pause from their busy schedule and at least think of you to help you move or help you fix your car? Don't just think of self. Think of others. Just as you want people to serve and do stuff for you, you do it to others. Now, in this picture, there's still a problem. And the problem is this. I get home from work. I'm tired. thinking of myself. I just want a break from everybody. Like Your son or daughter comes up and says, can we play? And so you just try to think of their interests. But... Who wins out, right? Whose interest wins out? You got your $50 left over, you got all the stuff that you want to buy, things you want to do with your $50, and you just like, just go, okay, I gotta think, you think of others, and you think about maybe sponsoring a kid or whatever, who wins out? Who wins out? Now this right here separates what you might call worldly love and gospel love. The world might say, "Well, you got to think about yourself first. It's about you, after all. Uh, just look out for me, myself, and I. Do you got time for others? That's fine, but it's really about you." Or those who try really hard might go here. Let, let's compromise. Yeah, just give me three hours by myself, and then maybe I'll have time for you, right? Let me at least spend you know forty-nine ninety-nine on myself, and then you know maybe or twenty-five twenty-five. A compromise. This is why we need the Gospel to do what Jesus says. Uh, Paul says this. What do you do when you consider your interests and their interests and you're in this battle? What should I do? Well, Paul tells us. The next verse, or previous, in humility, that you lay down your pride, you lay down that you're thinking your big stuff and your time is so valuable. In humility, count on. Others more significant than yourselves. In humility, you count, it's going to go this way, right? Others more significant than yourselves. So he's saying. Now it's hard. And we'll talk about how we, can, how we can do that in a moment here. Now I just want to apply this in three ways, and then uh, we'll wrap this up. Because uh, we could apply this in a zillion different areas, as I've already said, but uh, the Bible uses a similar language as well in marriage. He says, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Uh, again, we love ourselves. I love spending time doing the things I want to do. I love spending time on my hobbies and my projects. I love spending money on the stuff that I want. But Paul says, husbands, you love your wife as much as you love yourself. As much as you want to spend time on your stuff, you consider your wife wants to spend time on her stuff. As much as you have things that you want to buy, she has stuff that she wants to buy. You love your wife as you love yourself. In fact, this might look like this, right? Okay, I love myself and then I love my wife and, you know, it's a good compromise kind of a marriage. But then he goes on and says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's, That's this. That's putting your wife's plans, your wife's ideas, your wife's needs ahead of yours because that's what Christ did. Christ was not on the cross saying, this is so fun! It's all about me! No! Absolutely others-centered, sacrificial love. And He says to us men here who are married, that's the picture. It's not this. And it's not this in fact this needs to shape every aspect of our marriage not just you know serving each other here and there and loving each other but Paul actually says this idea uh, brings itself even right into the bedroom he says the wife does not have authority over her own potty but yields it to her husband In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife, do not deprive each other. And and so our sexual relationships in marriage are to be like this as well, even. Every aspect of life is to be shooting for this goal. Now, we think about that, and you're saying, that's hard. And it is hard. Another one, how about sharing the gospel? I don't know about you, but... uh, I'm so glad to be saved. I'm so thrilled that I know Jesus. That I'm forgiven. That my guilt is washed away. That I have this hope of eternal life with Jesus. I mean, it is so amazing. And I'm so glad that someone was going by this example in sharing the gospel with me. Marie and I were studying with the Jehovah's Witnesses for about a year, as some of you uh, may know. And uh, we were hanging out with this couple, and we had mentioned, you know, we were meeting with the JWs, and they said, blah, blah. And then they went on to talk about Jesus, the real Jesus. But they had a choice to make. They could have, you know, I don't want to be controversial. I don't want to, you know, put my path in front of their path. You know, I just want this to be a nice, fancy dinner. I don't want us to really say anything, because this is comfortable. This is my interest to be, we love being comfortable, don't we? I love being comfortable. I'll put my hand up first. But I am so glad that they said, you know what? I'm going to put Jesse and Marie's interests above my own. Uh, even though they might not like what I say, I'm going to say it. Because we're not just to put our temporal interests, but we also got to think about eternal interests. And this was Paul's heart. I mean, you talk about a picture of what we're talking about. He says this, my heart is filled with bitter Sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. Those are those people who don't know Jesus. I mean, his heart was full of bitter sorrow and unending grief. And the problem is that most of us often don't even give a rip about people who don't know Jesus. And then he says this, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if I would save them. That is not this well, if it's just comfortable, maybe I'll share the Gospel. And if it just fits into my time, it's not this. i would be willing to go to hell for these people. That is in humility considering others better than yourselves. One more. And that is just service in general. I love what Paul says about Timothy. He says, I have no one else like him Who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests. This first of all shows us that someone you you can actually live this, you can. (laughs) Sometimes we go, I don't know. You see pictures of people doing this in the Bible. Timothy was one where Paul could actually look at him and says, I don't know anyone else who actually thinks about others as much as him. but people even come close to saying that about you. I don't, I don't know if they would ever say that about me. Because we, we love living here. We might challenge ourselves to live here sometimes, but the Bible says, that, that's your goal, right? To actually look out for others. What, that, that, that means you come to church and you're not so worried about, you know, hope they do the songs I like and I hope someone talks to me. You're more worried about how can I serve people? I hope they do the kind of worship music they like. You know, it is coming to church not, you know, do they have services for me? But how can I serve this place? It's living in the community, not hope my neighbors are nice to me. It's how can I be nice to my neighbors? This, this is an outward that you're actually concerned for others. And that is a challenge. And that is the example Christ gave us. He says, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And the problem is we love to be served. We live too much of our lives how would you serve me? Would you say thanks to me? Would you do this for me? And if you don't, I'm going to be mad, right? That's the way it goes. Now this is hard. In fact, Jesus says it's hard. In context, here's how this goes. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Then he says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter... By it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And this idea of an easy way and a hard way is is the Christian life. It's hard, Jesus says. I mean, you if you just love in a way that's just convenient for you, and you just kind of carry out your marriage where it's just yeah, it's just easy to love my wife, and it's just easy. I just do stuff that's easy. If everything is easy, then Maybe you're not challenging yourself enough. The Christian life, is it is hard to love the way Christ wants you to love in your marriage. It's hard. It is hard for you to show up here and love others the way Christ wants you to love. It's not easy. It is hard to love people who tick you off and just drive you nuts. It's hard to love them in the way Christ wants you to love. It is easy to love like the world. And Jesus said, Don't just love those who love you. Don't just repay money to those who give money to you or whatever he says there. You go beyond. Now, how do we do this? Because that's kind of the big question. Because uh, some of you, the reason your marriage is not going well is because it's too much of this. I got my time, my hobbies, my things, my money. I'm doing it. My interests are above yours, and your marriage is struggling. Some of your marriages are okay because you do this. We should compromise a little bit and we can kind of make it work. A great marriage is this. Churches that are like this where we all come here and we're all just concerned about ourselves, hard churches to go to. Okay church, this is is a great church. Where we come and we're actually concerned about others. Now, how do we do this in areas of life? Well, Paul says here, let's read this uh, the way it says, In humility count others more significant than yourself, So even those people whom you don't like, you count them, they're more important than me. That person who wants to move when I want to do my stuff is more important than me. My husband, my wife, they're more important than me. You lay down your pride and you move forward. So let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others. And here's how you do it. Have this mind among yourselves. And so there's something that needs to capture our mind for this to happen. And if you don't do this, it'll be impossible. Now what do we have captured in our mind, he says? And it's the Gospel. Which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Which is a big illustration of in humility count others better than yourselves. You're tired, you're worn out, Someone comes up. Can you help me move? Your kid comes up. Can you help me play? And you can just fill your mind with all yourself and how tired and worn out you are. Or you can allow something to capture your mind, Paul says, and that is the Gospel. And sometimes it only takes 10 seconds to picture Christ and what He's done for you. Who in humility, Jesus being Holy God who did not have to come down and save us, who could elect us all on a Christless road uh, to eternity. I mean, He did not have to come and do what He did. I mean, if anybody was able to say, I'm not doing this, it would be God. But came down, was born as a baby at Bethlehem, lived among us, was, uh, suffered and was tortured and was beat and ridiculed, placed on a cross for us. This is the way Christ lived. And so one way this, we are encouraged to do this is just through the example of Christ. Uh, just take ten seconds and just, this is what Christ has done for me. To picture the cross and have that in your mind. It will encourage you to be more like this than like this or like this. And then the other thing is simply the indwelling gospel. Paul said to the Corinthians, uh, don't you realize that Christ is in you? unless you fail the test. That is, for us as Christians, we have Christ in us. Uh, Christ, fully God, fully man, amazing, huge, wonderful, absolutely loving in every way, is in you. And there's fruit. We allow Him to live through you. And so in that moment when you are so tempted to live here and you're so tempted to get angry and not forgive and be bitter and make life about you, you picture what Christ has done, His example, and then you lean on the indwelling Gospel and you allow Him to live out of you. And the Bible says the fruit of walking in the Spirit, walking with Jesus, is love. It's the first one. Jesus said, Jesus said, you know how people will know that you're a Christian? It's not that you read your Bible, not primarily that you go to church, it's not primarily that you do a whole bunch of stuff and are busy doing a bunch of Christian things. He says, people will know that you are my disciples by the way you love each other. Do you realize Christ has set you free to actually love people? He has set you free to love. And that is the Gospel. That's just brand.